Hello and welcome to episode 650 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Tuesday, February 26th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, and I am joined by Justin Mason and special guest, Vlad Settler. Gentlemen, how's it going? What's up, guys? Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to talk to you around this time of year. I'm not talking to Vlad. He keeps sniping me. Oh, yeah, you guys are dueling it out. I got got you on separate virtual room here. You guys are going to behave. We're going to talk some baseball here. Uh, Vlad joining us from Fantasy Guru. Find him on Twitter at RotoGut. We'll talk more about that a little bit later, but we're going to dive right into it because panic has taken over the <laughs> fantasy community. And I kind of, I'm kind of intrigued by stuff like this. And then I have a draft that night. And of course, the, the Kershaw news. And not a single ounce of it has been good this year, right? Every time we're hearing about Kershaw, it's been something negative. And we got more negativity yesterday about him just being shut down indefinitely. It's just not feeling good, et cetera, et cetera. So Vlad, on the heels of this, also give us an idea of where you were beforehand, too, because it's interesting to see like where you might have shifted from. But where were you on Kershaw, and where are you now that we've just gotten a couple weeks of, of pretty pretty crummy news on, on Kershaw? I mean, so as you guys know, I'm a huge, uh, absolute huge Dodger fan. Uh, my first moment uh, mm-hmm. uh, that I can remember was 88 when uh, Kirk Gibson smashed that home run over off Eckersley in Game 1 of the World Series. Uh, but I'm always able to separate my uh, my fandom and passion for the Dodgers from fantasy. And for me, um, you know, it's one thing that I've been saying since I think around last August last year uh, is that I'm going to be drafting Walker Bueller over Clayton Kershaw. And of course, that's somewhat come to fruition when we're looking at ADP. But for me, Kershaw has been pretty much in a void uh, at his price. And now with all this news, it's all the reason to more to fade. And I know for some people, there'll be a point where like, oh, it's the sixth round. Like maybe I need to take a, you know, t- a chance on Kershaw. Uh, I think there might be a spot where it's worth taking a shot on. But right now it's nowhere close to that. So all the news does not sound good, not promising at all. And, you know, I just don't want my potential SP2 to be somebody who um, could be out for the year or, you know, miss a bunch of starts and someone who had issues last year as is and just a drop in, in so many categories and um, advanced metrics as well as, um, you know, the basketball velocity down. So I'm full fade on Kershaw this year. Yeah, I, I kind of came in saying I, I wasn't going to fully fade Kershaw because I thought things were being a little bit overblown. And of course, now this news is is a lot different than you know, what I was thinking beforehand, he actually went 67th in the Beat Paul Spore League yesterday, uh, which I don't find to be an unfair price. It wasn't something that I was necessarily looking to do. I already, I'd already had a couple pitchers. Justin, obviously, you're the uh, resident Dodgers hater, <laughs> but p- putting that aside for a moment, I don't think you were all that in on Kershaw beforehand, but where are you now? Uh, you know, everybody knows I'm a Dodger hater, but I, I like Vlad, try to keep my emotions out of it when I, mm-hmm. uh, uh Got it. Do, I, I get accused of anti-Dodger homerism, um, but I, I was kind of out on Kershaw too. Uh, he's currently going 50.2, uh, ADP in the, uh, Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. He okay. has, he hasn't gone in one of the 21 leagues, but he's, uh, Gone in, and gone in the rest. Uh, he's gone as low as 81st. Uh, I think that might be mine where he hasn't gone then. If, there, if there's only one. Are you in League 19? Um, where would I find that out? Um, I don't know. In like the million emails I sent you this nah. season? 
So. Uh, it, it's league number three eleven. Does that does that help anything? No, yeah. But he, he's not gone. So if if there's only one where he's not gone, it has to be mine. Yeah. And um, and you guys you know, are already on, past pick sixty four. Correct. We're on pick seventy, mm-hmm. and dragging along. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So I think most people are kind of fading Kershaw right now. The news is just none of it's good. It's just all bad. You know, one of the things was he's trying to get that velocity back, which I, I kind of I, I actually was trying to project that he was going to do that, get the get the velocity back over the offseason. But it seems like he just came to camp and he's just trying to throw super hard. Like, well, he but he, the, the, thing velocity, I'll show was, you. the thing yesterday was like he felt uncomfortable playing catch. Sweet. That to me is way scarier than the original reporting like if you can't even play catch without feeling some sort of discomfort my question is would you rather take kershaw at his current price which is you know like i said 50 or would you rather take uh carlos martinez where he's going considering that news yeah that's a good question i mean you know carlos martinez you're getting a significant discount but obviously he's shut down for a couple of weeks it's a tough I mean, like, I don't want to be in a position where, you know, I'm forced to, you know, hey, you have to do one or the other. I mean, to me, guys like this, I'm just, just you know, avoid. there's no reason. Yeah, just avoid. Yeah, the, the news today on Carlos Martinez was was shut down for two weeks after a PRP injection, plate, platelet-rich plasma. I actually took him last night, but it was pick 216. He can't really hurt me there. So I'm, I'm not... I'm not all that worried about it. I'll take the gamble. I think they just make him the closer. Like that. I was just about to say that I I feel like I might have drafted a closer and my 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 rotation mm-hmm. was fine at that point too. I'm actually kind of hoping that. Like I that that was the the thing I had in mind when I took Martinez at 216 was that I was possibly getting a closer or at least a piece of the Cardinals bullpen. So, I'm fine taking him at post pick 200 even right now on on the heels of you know, I wonder if we'd have done the draft today if he'd have come even later, because uh, oh, I'm sure you know, the the PRP thing, the shutdown, that's just news this morning on the 26th. So, yeah, between the two, it's definitely Martinez because he just can't really hurt you at pick 200. You can obviously still be severely hurt taking Kershaw in the 50 to 70 range, which is where he's going. So Martinez, that's where we're at. Martinez hasn't gone yet in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational. And everybody's kind of approaching where his ADP was, mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see how far he falls. I feel like he's got he's got it dropped quite a bit, but we'll check in on that. You and I will check in on that uh, down the line here. Let's talk a little bit more TGFBI here. You guys are in the same league, Vlad. Uh, where'd you draft from? How many rounds? And, and and give us an idea who you got. Yeah, so I am currently uh, well. I'm drafting out of the seventh spot, and hey, you know, me too. Look at us. Yeah, you know, it's a nice safe spot right there in the middle of the drafts. I mean, most of my leagues I've been, you know, haven't been able to get an opportunity to get the one or two pick. So I've been drafting from seven or eight almost everywhere. And so I've had a mix of Trey Turner and uh, Scherzer and and even an Acuna share. In this one, uh, it was Christian Yelich uh, Yelich who was available there. Um, So that's how I kick things off. Uh, In the second round, my traditional second rounder this year who had plenty of shares of, my man Giancarlo Stanton. Wow. um, and uh, I then followed up with a couple of pitchers. Um, uh, Noah Syndergaard was basically the last guy of his tier. was mm-hmm. one pick away from Walker Bueller. Uh, and then James Paxton, who I think is kind of a, um, you know, a, a guy that's sort of polarizing this year. He's my fourth pick. Um, I guess, you know, that's kind of where I started. And then I've got another four picks after that that I picked, selected. 
Well, who, who do you got there? Go ahead and let me know. Oh, yeah, so uh, Daniel Murphy in the fifth. Um, okay. Brad Hand in the sixth is my first closer. I just I like missed it. Osuna and Kenley. Uh, gr- uh, Matt Olson was my seventh round pick, oh, and then just and just recently I just picked up Michael Brantley. Okay, that's that's a good setup there, and you are battling Justin. You guys are in in the same league. So Justin, where are you picking in that league? And give us an idea of uh, who, you, who who you've taken and which of those picks from Vlad that you really wanted. Yeah, well, I'll start with that part because I really wanted Daniel Murphy in the fifth, and then Matt Olson still sitting around in the seventh was like, I was like, oh, sweet. This is going to fall really – oh, th- th- oh, thanks a lot, Vlad, because I'm picking 13th. So uh, it's it started off really well for me. It hose, uh, hit Jose Altuve with the 13th pick and then uh, grabbed Bryce Harper uh, with, with the 18th pick. And then – it, it was like slow motion watching a car crash happen as, as your key was obliterated single yeah. starter went off the board in front of me. <laughs> uh, it's just, uh, and I knew, I knew I was taking a gamble uh, sure. that I, uh, that, that, that this could happen. And uh, I was willing to take the shot because I really love the upside of both Altuve and Harper. Uh, and I paid dearly when I was like, well, I'll just take tie on in the fourth um, Psych. and of course I took Reese Hoskins in the third and Tyon went back to back with Corbin on the turn. Um, and Deserve so that, yeah, Tyon in the third next time. Yeah, I should have, I took Mike Clevenger instead. He's, he was my okay. first starting pitcher. Uh, I, uh, grabbed Luis Castillo in the seventh as my second. And I grabbed Craig, uh, uh Craig Kimbrell in the sixth. I got Gary Sanchez in the fifth. Uh, and Will Myers in the eighth, kind of my punt batting average kind of strategy that I'm going to have to make up for it because of the overall component. Uh, but it's one of those teams where I kind of look at my team and I go, God, this is really ugly, but I can see a lot of ways to make it work. Uh, I'm just going to have to, you know, like I think everybody who's competing for the overall, just going to have to, you know, have some nice hits at some point in the mid to late rounds to make it worth it. All right, so that, that's a good setup right there. Uh, I'll run down my team real quick. Like we're only in the fifth round. It's been it's been a little bit slow and go. We're kind of picking up the pace the last uh, 24 hours or so. But uh, I could have taken Yelich if he had made it to me. He went sixth. I, that's kind of who I thought I was going to get. Instead, I got Nolan Arenado though, who is the, the 3-4 for me. Like he's he's right there um, in that 3-4 range. I I don't have a firm three and four. I can take him as early as as three, but I, I don't like to let him get much past four. So to get Nolan Arenado at seven felt great. I went Verlander and Thor, so I matched John Thor there uh, in the third round. Very happy to have two premium aces, one one old, one younger. And then uh, Ozzy Albies in the fourth. I was ready to take Puig. I kind of thought he was going to make it. He's been going a little bit earlier. Folks are really excited about him in Cincy, but I thought he was going to make it. He literally went the pick before me. And so I went with Albies, a, a Spore favorite, of course. I'm, bu- I'm buying back in completely. I know that from May 1st on, he wasn't great. But if even if you take that as a full season, uh, the, the counting numbers there are still really valuable. And then I came back with Murphy. So I did go back-to-back second baseman. But Murphy's going to be a first baseman very quickly into the season. So he can either be my first baseman, my corner, my middle. I can work a lot with him. Not too worried about it. Uh, we, I, I was actually talking it through with you guys because I was kind of s- stuck on the pick. There was nothing I really liked at any other position. So I just took a guy I liked, and I'm not afraid to, quote-unquote, block off middle 
that this part of the draft because I'm getting a premium hitter. So I'm happy with how it's going right now. I got some things eyeing up for the next round, which hopefully uh, we get to today at pick 84. But um, it's interesting how different some of the drafts are because Vlad was mentioning some of the guys that he has. Team 15, it, it would be a fan of what Vlad's doing in y'all's draft. He has Stanton and Paxton. He was picking on the edge there. So they would have never made it back to you there, Yankee Vlad. Fans. Yeah, well, he has judge as well, so you you might be right. And well, you know what's crazy is that that you know that range there. I know it's a whole different topic, but like fifty to seventy five overall. I mean, I think you see a lot of uh, a lot of fail in that area over the years, and I think yep. that's the case again. Like if you're not nailing um, these picks, if you don't have your targets pre planned and have a plan of you know what you're going to do, because that kind of sets the structure for your team going forward. If you don't have a plan, you can really get lost and, and sort of you know let your your draft veer off in the in, in a wrong direction. You're, you're absolutely right. It, it is a bit of a danger zone. It's 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 where you can really get some great picks, but then you can get some awful ones that you look back uh, at in October and say, well, those three picks that I made in this three to you know three to seven round range were really rough, and that's why I didn't do well. Or they clicked, and that's why I became a stud. So, See, well, as, and that's the thing. Like, last year I made the exact mistake I made this year. I learned absolutely nothing. <laughs> Way to go, dummy. And, and I'm currently on the clock, which is awesome. See, I, I learned more, though, and I wanted to make sure I got some pitching, so I'm really happy with how that's going. I got my anchor hitters. I got two Colorado hitters. I'm always down to bet on cores, pretty much blindly, to be honest. Like I, I have no problem doing that, especially with the premium guys like Arenado and, and Murphy. Um, but a quick, couple quick things in y'all's draft. Uh, any any steals or reaches that you want to identify so far? Vlad, we'll start with you. You guys are in the same draft, so if you have the same picks, you don't have to force it, Justin. But let's hear what Vlad thinks about a uh, a steal and a, and a reach. I don't know. I mean, as far as my team's concerned, um, you know, reach is, is tough because that means that, you know, I really suck. If, if, if I have two hours, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you've got a couple hours on the clock and you really, you know, are sweating out a decision. Then that's sort of a, you know, um, you know, internal problem. I was um, expecting you to clown somebody else. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah no. not, not, not your own reach. No, no, no. Well, let's let's can, let's can I, cl- can I clown a whole team? Yes. Because, uh, like, don't get me wrong, I understand you're a prospect guy, Eric Cross from Fantrax, but uh, his start was... He took Ac- Wander Franco in the he, third? He started Acuna <laughs> Soto Vlad Jr. Oh, man. Like, that that, that could not be more on board. brand. Wow. Uh, <laughs> if, uh, it, it you know... Could work. Try- it could. I mean, he took Correa in the fourth, uh, and then, then he started taking some... You know, kind of more established guys took Bumgarner and, and Marquez, and uh, I, I just man, that is a lot of youth and uh, volatility in the first three rounds, no um, doubt. And so, like that to me was a, a little, little crazy. Vlad, what, what about a steal or two that you that you've identified where you said, "Dang, that was that was a good scoop for so and so." Yeah, I mean. Yeah. You know, Puig went a little earlier than I thought he would. I thought there'd be a chance that he'd, he'd land to me. You're but, a Puig uh, guy, right? I've been a Puig guy forever. Yeah, I thought I thought so. You're you're definitely with uh, with Justin and I. Uh, yeah. yeah. I are there non Puig guys out there? I don't. Like, yes, so. there's tons. What are you talking oh. about? All right. We and I, I mean this year it's changed a little bit. Like I said, his ADP has definitely gone up. But I remember we were on an island. And I, I think we even bonded over it on last year's app when we had Vlad on that we all loved him. But th- there's definitely been anti-Puig 
folks out. I mean, our own Brad Johnson literally calls him mediocre, uh, which is just beyond yeah, foolish. I, that's because Brad doesn't understand what mediocre means. <laughs> we went through this with him. It was a long Twitter discussion. Yeah, he actually does not understand the definition of mediocre. It's it's <laughs> it, it was mind boggling because he's, he's like, well, mediocre is good. No, mediocre is not no, good. It, it is it, not it, a good it, word, Brad. Yeah, that's by by definition. Um, but yeah, I mean, any anything else that jumps out for yeah, I mean, just as far as a, a little bit, I think is a little bit of a stretch. Just, hey, you know what? I like Mike Clevenger as much as the next guy, but How early fourth. You? Oh, is that your is that your pick? Yeah, burn Oh, my bad. No, I, no, I swear no, I didn't call you out on don't purpose. Don't say my bad. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, no. Not your bad. You're good. You're yeah, I don't good. know. Like four, it, it's it's not even that. It's him and, and Tyon. I mean, two guys that I think people love, who I think no, are absolutely safe. Now you, need, now you need to watch your mouth. Like early fourth round. Um, I don't know, man. It's we'll see. I mean, you know, Corbin's right in that range, and people are taking him too, and he can it end up, like you know, busting. Right? Sounds like pitching was pushed up in your league. It, wa- it yeah. was pushed up, and I mean, that's the reason I did not want to take Clevenger in the fourth round, but I also knew if I took another hitter because I had started hitter, hitter, hitter. Uh, that what was coming back around to me in the bottom of the fifth was going to be very, very ugly and, and make it really difficult for me. And the one thing I really liked about Clevenger is he threw two injured innings last year. And yep. he's got the skills to kind of take that leap up, uh, I think, into the next level of starting pitchers. Uh, so that's the reason I went with Clevenger. And you know, I'm just going to have to take some... Uh, take some chances later on because it's Clevenger, Castillo, and I have no other starters. Well, you, yeah, you know, you, you did jack me on Castillo, though. Yeah, I was, I was See, looking to pick that. That's an ace right there. Clevenger went uh, mid-fourth-ish in my draft, but then Tyon went mid-fifth. And like I said, a pick right before mine, I was thinking I was going to actually get him and just really stack the pitching with Verlander, Syndergaard, and, and Tyon there. But I decided not to. I didn't have the chance to do that, I should say, because of, of where Tyone went. But, uh, yeah, it's been great. been a lot of fun seeing the chatter all over Twitter of where players are going and how some drafts are kind of speedy. Some drafts are a little bit slow. We were, I was agonizing over mine. And I'm not usually a, you know, uh, someone who overly gets after people about picking up the pace. or what. And I didn't really get after anybody in my draft, but I did complain about it. I'm usually like, it's a slow draft. We'll be fine. But when we were on round three... And I was talking to Justin and Jason and Eno in, in our group chat, and you guys are talking about picking six and seven. I was losing my mind. Uh, like, I hadn't taken Syndergaard yet, and I was freaking out. So, uh, and uh, there's been a number of auto drafts. Uh, oh, one, on, people oh. not knowing the rules and the time limits. It's like, know your rules. And I'm sorry, like, like this, if you auto drafted more than once already in the first like six or seven rounds, You're done. Do, do not expect an invite back because You're done. I've already replaced one team. I'm I'm close to replacing another. Uh, like just don't 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 apply next year if you're one of these people. Yeah, don't, don't be all excited to be in it and then not do it. Um, Justin, I'll actually have to get some links from you, but I believe there's a way where you can follow everything going T- on. TGFBI.com. There is oh, okay. a post uh, that has. A link to uh, the projections and standing or projections and ADP, uh, oh, and then there's also a link to every individual league's board. Boom! There you go. So I will put that in the show notes, and you guys can follow along with that. It's been a lot of fun so far. Uh, well, let's get into the main topic today. It's our outfield preview part one. I've, I talked to Vlad and said, you know, 
we can do a kind of a general episode with here. We can jump in on outfielders, and you were interested in taking the plunge here. So I've got some pointed questions. We're going that route again here. I think that that was more popular. Uh, so we're going to bounce back and forth here. Both guys aren't necessarily going to answer about both players, particularly because we're also on a little bit of a time limit here. So uh, we'll, some of these ones at the top, we'll kind of breeze through, so we'll bounce back and forth. I'll start with Vlad on this one. Uh, are you ever drafting Mookie Betts over Mike Trout? No, not this year. And that's just because I think this is finally, finally the year. I know, I know he's had fantastic seasons before, and he's obviously had some injured seasons, but I think this is the year that Mike Trout crushes, absolutely goes bananas. Um, I, I've got him and, and Stanton actually tied for the major league lead in home runs. Um, I think he, uh, I think like he, uh, think he also leads the league in average, and I think he's the the clear number one pick this year. Um, I did post something that people kind of took as controversial, just kind of po- pointing out how you know, as far as Trout um, earning number one overall value, it hasn't yeah. really happened a lot. It's never but, happened. Yeah. But he's the you know he he's the man. I, I you know I have a lot of love for Mookie Betts. I've got no problem with somebody taking him over Trout, but for me, uh, Trout all the way if I get that one pick. Yeah. I, I- I actually think you get that you you can justify. I think they are a one two. For me, it's Trout bets, and I don't really consider it. But I don't think it's try hard to go bets. I really don't. I thought there was a little try hard last year with the Altuve over Trout. How dare and you? not that I not that I projected that Altuve was going to, you know, kind of come back to what he did last year because I didn't project an injury. And so it was nothing against Altuve. I just hadn't really seen. I don't know. I, I just wasn't as confident in him the way I am with Betts because Betts's down year was 24-26 with 100-100 in that 264. And everyone knew that that was bad fueled, bad luck, and that he was going to be fine. And he came all the way back from 264 to 346 last year. Goes 30-30, 129 runs, 80 ribs, uh, and just an absolute monster. Uh, but let's move on to the next one here. Justin, I don't care if you take Betts over Trouts, but you I, can I answer would. this one. I would be. <laughs> What's the the non-injury? Because that's you know that's obvious. That's the bus path for anybody. But what's the non-injury path to Ronald Acuna Jr. busting as a top five pick? As a top five pick? I mean, that's where he's been going a, a lot. He went three overall and beat Paul Sporer. The non-injury path is that I don't know. Is the average falls? Like he's gonna. I mean, if he's leading off, I don't know that there is a non-injury path for it so yeah because because bust has to be pretty much like 13 homers and 20 steals and like a 240 average like that's about the that's you know where he plays pretty much all year and that's kind of a a bust situation for Acuna I I guess the bust path is he kind of did what he did prior to the injury which was strike out almost 30 percent of the time uh, hit 265, uh, but I mean, even that, like, he still hit five home runs and stole two bases in 129 plate appearances. So it's like, uh, like even over a course of a full season, you're talking about a guy that's gonna hit 23 home runs and steal you 10 bags. Like, is that necessarily a bust? I guess it is in the top I, five. Like, I think with yeah. the steals, that would be yes, because I, I think that's really. Even more than the average, which I just pointed out with Acuna batting average, I think not stealing enough would be the real bust path. If for some reason the wheels, because that can be so finicky. And he was 16 for 21. Like I'm not saying his speed isn't there, but maybe a nagging knee 
I guess that's injury still, but yeah, I'm talking that's, injury. That's injury but I'm, for but me, I'm talking so. missing time. I'm talking like missing time injury. That's what we're eliminating. But I if mean, it's one of those nagging things that we don't know and it and it stops him on the bases, that that I think would be the the route to really the, see. The route it. to me but. is that pitchers find a hole in his swing and he can't readjust. But there's been no uh showing or he he's not shown uh, a really a hole in his swing, and he's always shown the ability to readjust. Uh, and that was one of the things coming off the injury uh, was that he readjusted very, very quickly, and then was dominant rest of the way. So I don't, I don't know that I would still take him in the top five. It's just not my style to take a guy that young and uh, that early. But I, I'm not clowning anybody that is. I, I think. <laughs> Uh-oh. Breaking news. Rockies to extend Nolan Arenado. Wow. Stupid, nice. stupid people who thought he would get traded in the middle of the season, which was hey, going to happen. What is up with bagging on me out. this whole episode? That was the worst reason to go against Nolan Arenado. I, was I mean, so, I wasn't saying that was so the reason to go against hearing him, about but... that. Well, and I'm not that it wasn't directed at you to be honest, because I didn't even know that you had subscribed to that or or hinted at it. You just don't but listen to me on this podcast. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like playing with Charlotte over here, hanging out every time you're talking, and have to be nudged back into the podcast. No, I just I thought it was I thought it was ridiculous. He was never going to be traded, but now those those fears are assuaged. Uh, it looks like it's going to be an eight year, two hundred sixty million dollar extension. With a three-year opt-out, so that's no one or not. But this is outfielder. We got to get back onto. I just wanted to bring it up real quick. Um, I was hoping you were going to say Harper signed. Yeah, I, I uh, that's I, coming I, today. I wish that's I had better today. news on oh, that. Oh yeah, Pro- uh, Vlad Chadomis. Well, Pro- Vlad predicted ten minutes after the podcast. I'm sure is when it's going to come. I actually feel feel bad. I should have just posted it. Um, it about exactly around this time last week. I started thinking that I think somehow Dodgers are going to get back into this. But I just didn't want to put myself on blast and put it out there. I didn't know if it made sense. But, uh, hey, maybe it's coming to fruition. I think you should have done that because I kept saying until they're signed, I will refuse to count out the Yankees and Dodgers on Vlad and Machado. Obviously, Machado's gone now. But I just re- I just refuse as a general rule. So I always am waiting to hear that one of them is in on it unless they sign somewhere else. And so <laughs> I totally understand why you would have how felt much, that way. How much does he hate Philadelphia? Like, oh, dude, I mean, there was know, a great obviously... Onion article a few weeks back where it was like <laughs> Bryce Harper asked the Phillies if they're willing to move out of Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like that's like like the only way he's going to sign with the Phillies is if they've moved to Las Vegas. It's like <laughs> they somehow, yeah, just just uproot the team because I'm it sorry, is weird Ellen, that I'm sorry. He's just dragging his feet on it. It, it, it is kind of wild. He doesn't want to play in Philadelphia for some reason, I guess, because well, he wants well, to play near Vegas. But. I just yeah I, I don't understand how this isn't done yet. We'll get we'll get to him more here in just a bit. Quick thought for Vlad on Acuna. Uh, I, I wanted you to get in on it as well. Do you see that uh, any bus path there, or, or what, what are your thoughts? You mentioned you have a share of him at, at a seven or mid mid draft area, but are you in on that that top three top four that Acuna is going at a lot? You know what? I like to embrace some risk myself, and I think maybe in you know some some competitions where there is the overall component, I think I would consider him. Uh, but I don't know, man, you know, they're always, they're always busts in the first round every single year. And maybe not necessarily bust, but guys that just don't earn that first round value. So yeah. 
Um, and I'm trying really hard to find a way that it doesn't work out for Acuna, but I just don't see it. I really see if he's healthy uh, with that, you know, with that team and leading off or even in second. I mean, he's really going to beast. Uh, honestly, you guys nailed it pretty much. The only real way is if the average dips, which I do expect it to from last year, uh, and then maybe if he doesn't run as much, but I'm still seeing about 20 steals and, and 30 home runs and a boatload of runs. So yeah. I like Acuna very much. No, I, I'm with it too. It really is hard to kind of muster I mean, up a even scenario. Even if the average dips, isn't he still like Carlos Gomez from his prime where he yep. was still a back end of the first round guy? Like that's, yeah, not, sure. that's not a bust. There, there's just a lot of wiggle room there. And, and when we say bust, I'm talking he has to be like a 10th round type because a first rounder that you draft and they play as a third, even fourth rounder, that's not a bust to me because you're buying a high floor. And if that's kind of the floor that, that you think Acuna could go to, even at pick three or four, that's not a bust. But he has the sky high uh, capability too. Let's move on to J.D. Martinez. And Vlad, I'll start with you. Well, Why, why isn't J.D. A, a firm number three or number four pick? You know, I mean, in the drafts that I've been in, uh, as you know, drafting from seven or eight most spots, like he's never dropping to me. So, okay. so he's, he's always going, going higher. You know, usually it's a pick before me or a couple picks before. So I'm seeing him go five on average. Okay. Um, and, you know, I mean, one of the things that I've been, you know, you, you and I have even sort of had opposite uh, opinions on this, but the value of, of stolen bases early in the drafts. And I think so maybe that's the only issue with JD Martinez is people wanting to get some steals early. But I mean, how can you go wrong with a guy that legitimately could lead the league in, in, in RBIs again and hit another 40 homes and hits just so well and hits he can the ball hard. Crown. Like, He's amazing. He can triple crown. I know the triple crown is, you know, a little, uh, some people don't like it as much. It's kind of contrived thing, but for fantasy, it's super important because it's three major categories that, that we use since 2017, JD Martinez is third in homers, 15th in runs, second in ribbies and second in average. And yeah, I, I don't think that you need steals in the first round. I don't think that that should be the limiting factor. That's why I have Arenado so high and JD as well. Uh, he did go five in my draft, but I, I had constantly seen him. I kind of thought I was going to have an option of getting him. I thought Yelich and Arenado might be gone, and I might be taking JD with my first pick at seven, which I would have gladly done, but uh, he was not available. He went fifth, but he's just been so, so, so great, and some of the drafts I've been in outside of this TGFBI, I've, I've seen a reluctance to really take them in that top five. And it's kind of, uh, it's been peculiar to me, but well, I, it's I think pretty that, obvious why it's not happening. Right. I mean, why are, are we really going to pretend that the fact that he played 120 games and less the previous two seasons to last year doesn't play into that. I mean, that's the reason people are afraid he's going to get hurt. Yeah, but he still performs despite that. I'm not saying it's a rational decision, but that's why. I mean, that's the only reason, because last year he was absolutely amazing. And if you think that he's going to, uh, you know, stay healthy because of the DH, there's no reason why he isn't going third or fourth. But the reason he's not, and he's kind of jumped or lumped in to that kind of uh, glob uh, between, you know, picks three and 18 are... Mm -hmm. Is, is the injury, uh, and yeah. people are afraid he's not going to be able to hold up. He's 31. He's got a long history of getting hurt. So, uh, I, I fluke stuff, though, running into sure. a, a, a wall defensively for J.D. Martinez. He's about yeah. as bankable as a first-rounder as you can get. I mean, sure. and, and, I, and I completely agree. I think he should be going in the top five. Uh, I think I have him fifth uh, personally, uh, but at, at, at the same time, that's the reason. Like there There's an obvious in, in, reason why it's happening. 
in fairness to those who also bounce them down, I will acknowledge that uh, that three through like twelve, maybe even deeper, is is pretty interchangeable. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of ways you can go. So I I, I kind of get it too. But I, I've always I've always caped for for J D Martinez, obviously former Tiger. Also that's not when he as broke good out. as Michael Morris. Okay, I remember that. For those that don't remember, that's Justin self-roasting, which I, I respect, by the yeah, way. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, he had a Michael Morris is, is better than J.D. Martinez. I said that take. in, what, like 2000? <laughs> uh, God, what, it was my, my first year doing fantasy analysis. So I Sweet. Uh, 2005, Sweet. Going into 2015 season, I, I, I said that Michael Morris would be better than, than uh, J.D. Martinez. <laughs> All right, Justin. Well, based on that, you get to take a break on this one because all right. this one's all bland. I, I was what wrong on this M- one, too. Yeah, what does the MVP whisperer see for Christian Yelich in 2019? And let me set it up real quick, Vlad. For those that are unaware, Vlad was completely in on Yelich and completely inflated his his fantasy value uh, last year, You know, right around peak draft time sometime in March when you suggested that he would be a, a an MVP candidate and, and somebody that you really need to keep an eye on. And obviously, that was one of your best calls of the entire year. He was fantastic. I hope you had a whole bunch of uh, of it. I, you know, <laughs> what you put was Christian Yelich is going to provide borderline first round value this year and be a top five MVP, MVP finalist. Save this tweet on March 10th. So good. I loved going through the responses in October and and just liking all the the stupid responses and making fun of people because I love. Just calling out clowns and uh, hey. brilliant tweet there, brilliant. Oh yeah, you were one of those there. I am killing you today, dude. I'm getting that- murdered on this podcast. <laughs> You're getting absolutely obliterated. But uh, what do you, what do you see for a follow up? What, what do you got for us, MVP whisperer? Yeah, I mean, you know, with Yelich, I think he's still a a first rounder. Um, I think he can even be twenty percent less across the board and still earn that first round value. Um, I just don't think he's going to hit 30 home runs again, but you're still talking about a guy in an amazing lineup and a great park for half of his games, uh, still going to score hundred plus runs, still going to, you know, hit over 300. Uh, so I like him very much. And, you know, right now I'm basically formulating because, you know, I don't want to force like, and say everyone's yeah. you know, kind of like, Oh, who's the next, next Yelich. I don't want to force that. And so I'm going to be writing an article here. I'm sort of formulating that now because I don't think there's just that one guy. There were certain criteria that he hit where he was a top 50 player um, who should have been like maybe a first or second rounder, but you didn't need to take him there. I don't know if someone fits that bill exactly. There are a few guys that are like that potentially. I actually do have one because I I did an article recently finding this year's blank uh, with hitter hitters and pitchers and i just kind of take some things from last year and, and fit them to this year the guy that i've got that, that can kind of fit that and it's a little bit different because he doesn't have the the, the speed component that yelich does but it's anthony rendon was who i picked um and yeah. i think he's somebody who can has the hit capability to be that potential mvp can- i mean he's been a down ballot mvp guy for a while because he's premium defense and, and just really really solid hitting but if everything clicks you could be talking about that 320, 30, 110 type of season where he just goes off. And you can get double-digit steals. Like he, he, he can run. He has two double-digit steal seasons, 17 and 12. But those are back in 14 and 16 for Anthony Rendon. So that's not what I'm seeing so much. But really that, that, that premier 300-plus average, 400-plus OBP, 500-plus slug. And that's the guy I could see. But I agree with not 
forcing it and just saying, this is my next Yelich. Uh, to to backpat just a small bit, many moons ago, I had one good call when I was on the Kluber train early. And for you know the year after and, and the year after that, it's like, who, well, who's this year's Kluber? Who's this year's Kluber? There's not always going to be somebody who fits that. Uh, mm-hmm. That that you and you don't want to force it because then you're just gonna you know make some wrong picks. So, well, you know what's you know what's funny though is um, I had uh, about five teams heading into that tweet and I had Yelich and every one of them anywhere between picks thirty to fifty. When it came around to nope main event <laughs> and platinum, somebody even took him fifteenth. They took him on the turn. Oh so my I had god! They, yeah, they knew not to let him get to you. Oh, oh man, <laughs> that's amazing. I mean, at least you already had some. That, that there's a lesson, y'all. Before you plant your flag, make sure you've get got some shares on yeah. lock, because uh, otherwise, you know, you are gonna get you are gonna get punked on some guys. You know, I got my tie on locked in. Uh, because I do feel like I'm getting trumped on him left and right too, and, and so thankfully I've got some tie-on shares locked, and and that works yep, that way. I'm really but, glad I got all my Carlos Martinez shares. It, yeah, good thing you got that locked and loaded because mm-hmm. that's that's awesome. Uh, all right, Justin, I'll start with you on this one. Then is Aaron Judge a steal at ADP 19? I don't know that he's a steal. Oh, you're wrong. Moving on, Vlad. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Go ahead. I, I like I said before, like I think there's this huge glob of guys that could be like back of the first round, middle of the first round through but the nineteen. Okay, I'll let you talk. I, let I me mean, say one like, more thing. His down season, if you pace it back to 650 plate appearances, was 35 homers, 126 ribbies, 101 runs, eight steals, and a 278 average. That was his, that was the down season paced out to a full year, and. You know, it's not like he only played forty games, and I'm pacing that out. I'm I'm, I'm pacing out a 498 plate appearance season. I'm not saying he's going to do 52 114 again, but 30 110 is is guaranteed, isn't it? I mean, he's I I think he's a steal to be honest. I, it wasn't guaranteed last year, so because he got hurt. I mean, nothing's guaranteed if someone gets hurt. You, yeah, that, you that wrist thing was an issue all year. Like, you know, to me, I, I think he's a it, it, he's a good price for where he goes. I just happen to have a small preference for Stanton. But, like, this is a dude, like, absolute stat cast monster. That wrist injury definitely affected him. I'm thinking he's going to end up being somewhere probably between his last two seasons. And you nailed it. I think the 30 and 110, you can pretty much – you can never bank on anything, but that's a sure. good, fair because projection. But I mean, yeah. like, I think I think there's a number of guys in this area that you can say, like, are you really going to beat someone up? Like, I I took Bryce Harper over Aaron Judge and Stanton. Like, I'm I, I don't feel bad about that. I love that because I feel like I've got great upside there as well too. So like, I I don't have a problem with him. I don't have a problem with people taking him in the in the first round, and I don't have a problem with people taking him at pick 19, 20, 21. It just I think. I think there's such. I think you're splitting hairs and you're going by preference. But the highest he's gone is 13 for Aaron Judge. He's gone a a range of 13 to 28. I think that's a steal that he's lasting that long consistently. I I think think guys like maybe I think guys like uh, Lindor and Bregman probably shouldn't be going in the first round. Exactly. Maybe the guy these this kind of grouping of you know these three outfielders should be kind of taking their place. 
Because I agree, you know, I'm I'm with you guys on the Stanton and, and and Harper piece too, putting all three of those kind of together. And I love what Team 15 did in my TGFBI with Judge Stanton. I went uh, Harper Judge in the Arizona Fall League draft many moons ago, back in November. Getting two of those three to start at the back end of uh, of a draft, I love that this year. So if I do get a back end pick. And and the pitching doesn't fall the way I want. I, I want two of those three and just have a power base that is absolutely nasty. So I, I hear what you're saying. I just I feel like the fact that he's never gone higher than 13 so far. I think that's what people what makes want. Me... People want speed and pitching in the first round. And uh, I mean, Judge can steal some bases, but he's not going to be a source necessarily. Get, yeah, give you a little chip in. Basically. Yeah, he's not going to be a source. And that I mean, that's the reason that people want people want to get their stolen bases in the first round. And okay. I think it's, I, I think it's being overplayed. But I get it because I I love Turner too. I love Jose Ramirez, but you can still get like Whit Merrifield. I mean, unless you're against Dusty, was it Dusty <laughs> exactly. that took him in the first round, or someone took him in the first wait, round of TGF? Someone took him in the first. I don't think Dusty would have done that. No. Um, no. Who was it? It, it was. It, I would kill Dusty if I, he did that. I can't remember who it was now. You you looked that an, up. It's a big I'll, NFBC I'll to... player. I'll go to Vlad on this one. Um, between the other two that we're talking about here with these, with this Judge Stanton Harper trio, between Harper and Stanton, who do you prefer? It's a really close call. I mean, I'm I'm all in on Stanton. I think he has a monster season in his second year here in New York. Agreed. But if Harper signs with the Dodgers, and I understand it's you know not the ideal hitting park, but there are you know times in the summer where you know it's really hot and that park goes off. If he's playing on a team Colorado. that he wants to play for. Um, you know, there's there's a really there's a really good base around there. All those guys like Turner and Bellinger and Seager, yep. if he's healthy, Verdugo even. I mean, this is a really good team, and I think Harper would be really motivated. I think he'd have a fantastic season. I think I'd probably want to share there. Yeah, I agree. I think right now I'm I'm leaning Stanton more often because uh, his certainty of the team that we know he's on. And and Justin, we're going to continue to just hammer you on this episode. But if if Harper goes to San Francisco, just shoot me in the face because that's <laughs> so brutal. And it's brutal because of the counting categories. Like I don't think the power matters because I think he'll still hit for power. He's got any. He's got anywhere power. But yeah, yeah going to. I, I don't understand why they're even in on this. Like I, I guess I get it. It was, to a it was dusty. It was. Wait, Whit Merrifield, took... pick 15. Oh, no, Dusty's, Dusty's trying to be Roto famous. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm going to obliterate him. I'm, I'm going to obliterate him for that. I'm messaging him. That's insane. We're going to end the pod right now. Thanks for listening, guys. <laughs> we got to go make fun of Dusty. <laughs> no, uh, let's move on. Uh, Justin, Charlie Blackman's down season, I put that in extreme quotes, was basically 2016 because – of course he was going to come off of the absurdity that he had in 2017. That's a career year. That's going to stand as such. But what what's next? What do we expect now with Charlie Blackman going into age 32, the speed kind of on a, a steady decline from 43 to 17 to 14 to 12? Obviously, there was that big jump, and now it's kind of tailing off. What are we expecting out of Charlie Blackman at age 32 in 2019, Justin? I think we're ex- we should expect last season. So to, just put that put that back down again. Yeah, why not? Just put it back down. He's gonna score a ton of runs. He's gonna hit you know twenty nine, thirty home runs. He's gonna steal double digit bases, and you're not going to. Uh, and he's gonna do it with a great average. So three three mark, just mark down two ninety three hundred, uh, and be super stoked about where you're getting him in drafts because it feels like he's going too late. 
Yeah, I didn't answer um, the the draft, the steal reach thing for, for my TGFBI, but he went in the third round, which anywhere in the third round for Charlie Blackman feels like a little bit of a steal to me. So I thought that, that was a nice pickup for the team that got him. Uh, Zamet got him at uh, pick hey, three. Hey, fancy benefits, Gabe Zamet. Yes, three dot, z- 3.6 there for Gabe. I thought that was a great pickup there. His average draft position is about 26 right now. And so what's that? That's pick 36. Got it about 10 picks later. Vlad, as far as Blackman goes, do you agree with Justin that just kind of put in something loosely matching last year and go from there with with, uh, Blackman? Yeah, I was actually looking Blackman up beforehand and um, just, you know, I assume that he's been the the uh, MLB runs leader over the last few years. And in fact, that that's the case. 122 runs over the last three years as tops over Mookie Betts and, and everybody else. Um, I think you might see a little bit of a drop off. But, you know, what does that really mean that he's maybe hitting 280, 285 with 25 homers instead of 30? Um, but still going to score a boatload of runs. I think he's, you know, he's 32 years old. He's getting up there in age, but still fantastic home park for half his games. Yep. Uh, will obviously face some tough pitching. But where he goes, I mean, a totally solid pick there at the, you know, the end of the second round. He, he no longer draws oohs and ahs the way he did what, kind of when he was in the midst of his little emergence into a fantasy superstar. But Charlie Blackman's still somebody you definitely want on your team. And, and you that, now be. he's got Daniel Murphy hitting behind him oh, and another I mean, year matured for David Dahl. And it just, uh, yeah, I mean. And Nolan's not going anywhere now. The, now Ro- the Rockies not. are sneakily becoming a, a really scary team in the West. Uh, considering last year their pitching that carried them. If their pitching can repeat what it did last year, the additions they've made to the offense uh, could really be crazy. Yeah, I think some of the improvements, like for some of the regression that they're going to get from some guys, there's improvement from other guys to kind of cancel it out and keep that pitching solid. So I agree that uh, the Rockies should be considered a, a very valid foe to the Dodgers. Uh, let's talk about Andrew Benintendi because before – Yelich's uber breakout these two were kind of paired together a a, a lot of folks saying Andrew Benintendi is kind of a Yelich in the making Vlad as the Yelich whisperer I'll go back to you on this one do you see that sort of similar comp and do you think that that Benintendi can develop in that same way Uh, maybe not to an MVP 36 homer type of level but do you you see where that comp exists and do you agree with it or, or how do you feel about Andrew Benintendi I do, 100%. And that's a comp that I, I felt, I guess, when I first started drafting in December. I'm looking at him and I'm thinking, man, this is the guy in the end of the second round, early third, that could very well uh, earn that first round value. And, you know, I mean, there's just something inherently valuable about a guy that's going to lead off ahead of Mookie Betts and, yep. and J.D. Martinez. I mean, if he doesn't lead the league in runs, I think that would be shocking. Um, always has been a good hitter. You can pretty much bank on at least 280. You could see upwards of 300 this year. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, what's really going to drop? Maybe the RBI, the RBI is a little bit, but even there, the back of that lineup in Boston isn't also horrible. So with him, it's just about that, you know, the power. Can he bring the power up? I don't think he's going to hit 32 homers like Yelich did last year. I think 25, 26 is a fair uh, estimate, and I think he'll run a little bit more as well. So for me, I, agree. I mean, you know, t- in Tout Wars, he was my first hitter. I took Max Scherzer in the first round at pick eight. At pick 23, I took Ben Attendee. Um, I was one pick away from Lindor, who I would have probably definitely oh, taken there. But, nice. you know, I, I passed up on a lot of good hitters there for uh, for, for Ben Attendee, and, and I feel good about it. I really had a game plan, like I said, to get the two studs, uh, stud pitchers with Verlander and Thor. 
I almost broke it to take Benintendi in the third. It was a, it was a really difficult decision, but I wanted to stick with the plan that I had set out. And I am flexible. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm always just rigid to a particular plan, particularly because with drafts, you never know how it's going to go. But I didn't think that I needed to veer off to get Benintendi there. But it was a consideration. It was the one guy that who was available where I was like, hmm, maybe I just push that second pitcher to the fourth round and go Benintendi here in the third. I definitely want shares. I really like what he's capable of doing. And I think he can actually beat this 29 ADP and, and be a potential first round value next year. Justin, do you agree with all this on Benintendi or do you have any concerns? No, I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I don't necessarily know that he has the, the ceiling that we saw from, uh, Yelich last year, but I, other than that, I really agree with it. Pretty much everything yeah, you said. Yeah, that that comp gets stretched a little bit because of what Yelich did now. Just but did. but, but yeah. think about, think about where we were mm-hmm. last year, and and those two being comped was was really strong. Uh, we discussed what Merrifield on the second base, so we're going to move on from that. Uh, except to say that Dusty, you got some explaining to do. Well, uh, no, I but, love it. I love it, Dusty. Do it. It's great. I I, I got to hear the reasoning on that. He's Trey but, Turner. Uh, like we're taking Trey Turner. You know, upwards of. But you don't have to pick him there. I you guess. don't. Well, well I, he I does if he's if he's hitting 15, 16. Yeah. He's got. I mean, unless he's going to take him sixteen just to say he was a second rounder. Well, yeah, 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 no. But either either way, I would still have questions. No. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll I'll listen to his his argument on it. I, I will definitely talk to him. He does have a thirty ADP, and it. You know, when you're at that sixteen, and you then you pick again at forty five. You're never going to get him. Back. You're not getting him, of course. So I I, I understand. Let's uh, let's move on to Juan Soto, Justin. I'll start with you. What does he do for an encore? What, like, what just what are you expecting out of him at this point? Walk on water. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I, what what can he do that that topped the rookie season? Uh, I just I I don't know. He's just he's such an amazingly polished hitter. Uh, I I think he. I don't think he's going to get to 30 home runs, but I think he's going to fall just short of it and deliver a premium average uh, and some pretty good counting uh, categories in that Washington Nationals lineup. So I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Soto. I don't know that I'm going to have a ton of shares. I'm going to try to get one. We should have done it in the uh, beats, the sleeper on the bust. Uh, best oh, yeah. ball because that would have been great. We're doing a <laughs> well, theme of of uh, getting our only shares of players. <laughs> yeah, we, we'll we'll talk about that uh, draft on the next episode because uh, we are pressing on time. But it's basically become our one share dynasty because mm-hmm. we're getting guys that we like, but we're not really getting anywhere. So I say, you know what? Let's just get our share here. Take we're getting here to have a little something in soda would have been perfect for that because i don't have him anywhere uh, as well sorry vlad if you really want to talk soda i gotta i gotta keep it going here and move on to the next one because i don't know that you're gonna have anything uber negative to say about him um we as a fantasy community say acuna over jd martinez because of stolen bases but then i wonder why acuna would go over starling Marte by 30 picks when you look at something like the bat and their projections just aren't that different. And if we're going to value stolen bases so much like that, they're better. I I, I, I can't see the, the the split for Acuna. The bat has him at 273, 97 runs, 31 homers, 89 ribbies, and 23 steals. For Marte, four points more of average at 277, seven fewer runs, 10 fewer homers at 90 and 21, and even fewer ribbies uh, at 74, but 37 steals which is 14 more. And if steals are so valuable, I'm wondering how they're going two rounds apart. So Vlad, I'll start with you there. Should they be that far apart between Acuna and Starling Marte? 
I mean, on paper, they really shouldn't, but there's just this weird feeling that I have about Marte, and I can't put my finger on Don't it. Don't do I'm this not gonna, to me, Vlad. Uh, and I'm not going to go so far as to say he's going to get busted for PEDs again because that would be uh, asinine. But I don't know. I just feel like something something's off, going to be off with him this year. Uh, you know, I just have those intuitions sometimes. Um, I don't know that he's, you know, obviously the team isn't that great. He's now 30 years old. Um, I don't think his speed is, is what it used to be. So I'm not seeing the 30 swipes this year um, and just not a lot of counting court categories with this team. And the other thing is even his, you know, his contact rate has dropped a little bit. He used to be a 290, 310 hitter. <laughs> Now he's hitting like two, you know, mid two seventies. So just Justin the way my his camera, to, he's angry with you, Vlad. He's I don't know. Just the, I'm just speaking the truth. The way that my value, I could totally be wrong, but the way that my, my valuation spit out, like I've got him below guys like Correa and Puig. I don't know. Don't know okay, what it what? is. What? Well, okay, Justin, the, the floor is yours. He let, just said he has it. him below Correa. Well, you hate Carlos Correa, but let's oh hear God. your let's hear your Starling Marte spirited case here. I I I take it you kind of agree that maybe with the bat and that he should be closer to Acuna but talk about Mar- Marte at large maybe not so much in the Acuna context but how do you feel about about uh Marte this year I mean I love Marte this year look what he did last year 100 145 games 20 home runs 33 stolen bases 277 all the projection systems believe that he's gonna gain uh back a little bit of average uh I, I mean I think he's a shoe in for what 17 home runs in 30 35 stolen bases and like i i don't understand why he's not going in the second round all the time it just well it, vlad it, vlad sent him peds he set him yes. up yes uh, there, there's the pd issue i think that keeps him down and then he hasn't been the healthiest you know True. if if, True. We're, if we're gonna if we're gonna talk if then i'm the gonna P- talk about the PEDs Martinez, aren't working Yes, yes because that's supposed to help you recover really well that's, that's why like he the took one him. thing yeah. that they guarantee mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, yeah. But Marte, I, I, like, I get it, but I, Vlad, if you just jinxed him, I, I will never forgive you because I have so many shares of Starling Marte. Oh no, I'm sorry, man. I, between <laughs> the two, I lean closer to Justin. I, I think you make good points, though. You gave me something to consider there, Vlad, because I did come in when I was writing this up last night. I was like, what the hell? I still don't think they should be 30 picks apart, though, because Acuna. While we did speak highly of him, and I agree with all that, it's not a guarantee. Like a sophomore slump hits guys all the time when it looks like they should never have it because it's the major leagues and it's tough and teams adjust. But Marte, I think, is a little bit more bankable for the speed than than Vlad says. Uh, I just think they should be closer. Not that I would take Marte over uh, um, Marte over Acuna. I just think that they should be closer. And so that's where I'm at with that one. We'll see how that one plays out for sure because I think it's a really interesting there's, situation. I think there's some Pittsburgh bias too. I, I think that they could be halfway decent. I, that division is so difficult. It just seems like every team's going to win 81 games and, and they're going to have a uh, 500 division winner. Uh, Vlad, I'll stick with you on this one. We talked about Bryant, so we're moving on. He was at, discussed at third base. So I'll, I'll talk with you about Reese Hoskins. Do you prefer him as a first baseman or an outfielder? He'll have first base. A week into this, you know, whatever your requirements are, it'll be quick. You can draft him and assume that he's going to be your first baseman. But which position do you prefer Reese Hoskins at? You know, grabbing him at first base, um, it, I mean, obviously, if you don't have Freeman or Goldie at that point, um, I think makes a lot of sense um, just because I don't love the first base position for whatever reason. It just feels um, somewhat thin. And the, I've found myself in a lot of positions where I've been waiting on first base or I have a Daniel Murphy that I'll move eventually over from second to first. And so I'm ending up with guys like 
Carlos Santana or, you know, Tyler White even in one draft where I had to wait so long for a first baseman. So he's your starter. Um, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's that. Yeah. That bad of a team. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Obviously, you're really good elsewhere. If, uh-huh. if, that's, if that's what you got at first. Awful. Um, just awful. Well, well Daniel Justin, Murphy moves to first. That, that's oh, okay. the plan. That, that's yeah. one of those things. Can we Justin call this one I the just... roast cast? Because I just feel like that's all that's <laughs> happened. Um we discussed first base and we came away feeling better about it, but that doesn't mean that I still, that I think it's like super deep. I do agree that the premium talent is, is definitely thinner at the top there, but I do feel a little bit better about that kind of mid tier, the Matt Olson's of the world, even the Jose Abreu's it's a boring pick, but it's perfectly solid. Just There's a lot in there. Late, uh, yeah, exactly. Got, there's some guys like that that I'm interested in, but I, th- I do think Hoskins can really bust out, have a huge season. Like I think if you're if you're putting down the guys who could go for 40 homers, he has to be on. I mean, he hit 34 last year. I'm not I'm not saying anything special. And he doesn't have to play the that. outfield. And if you don't think that exactly. weighs on someone's mind, I think you're being naive. Especially uh, when they're terrible. Yeah. Like he he was oh, absolutely. So it's one thing when you don't really want to play the outfield, but you're okay. And it's it's another when you're awful and you're hearing about how awful you are. And you know, I'm not saying that it affected him mentally in terms of he, he couldn't come to the yard. Like he seems like a guy who can handle. I think he beats himself up though. He seems to me seems to me like a guy who would say. I got to get better at this, man, because I fucking suck at outfield. But uh, Hoskins will be the primary first baseman. Justin, I feel like you prefer him at. I took him at, in the third the round. Uh, you know, what I said, la- I think, last episode of the episode before, like, I don't really care where guys slot in. What I like okay. about Hoskins is the fact that you can move him. And so, like, yeah. for instance, in this TGFBI. I haven't felt the need to take a first baseman. I'm just taking the best available because I've got multiple guys who can move around, and Hoskins is part of that. I can play him in the outfield. If I don't end up finding a first baseman I like, I'll just move him up to first base and take another outfielder. So uh, it, I think it just gives you options, which I, which I always love. Yep, and we've, we've preached the the value of positional flexibility throughout the, the season here. Uh, we really like it, and I think it's more valuable than ever these days with the platoons, and you've been talking about how all the uh, uh, the days off we're going to have this year, so if you're in a daily league, it's going to be very useful. We have a couple of these coming up where we pair three guys. I'm just going to have you pick one, so we might not talk about all three if you guys don't. Well, we can't because you only got to pick two at most. So I'll start with you, Vlad, on who's your favorite between Lorenzo Cain, George Springer, and Tommy Pham, and why? Uh, for me, it's fam. Uh, just the most upside. I think that's going to be a, a sneaky, dangerous team there in Tampa. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if he's healthy, I mean, you're going to get five cats across the board. Uh, just really, really solid. I think, you know, everyone kind of knows, um, you know, Springer's limitations, obviously been among the runs leader uh, in the majors over the last few years, but always a, somewhat of a drain on batting average. Present day style. Adam Jones. Uh, <laughs> Present day Hunter Pence. What? Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, then, and then you, you know, I mean, Kane is is who he is. I mean, he's on the wrong side of thirty, and obviously in a great park, and um, you know, he's going to steal bases and, and hit for average. But uh, I mean, if if I'm looking for, especially I'm playing in, in leagues with the overall component like the TGFBI, uh, Tommy Pham, no brainer. Yeah, I mean, same same for me. So we'll we'll see if if uh, Springer who used to have his bathwater drunk by uh, by Justin, or Kane gets any run here. Oh, all three guys uh, I love, actually. <laughs> okay, but who's your favorite? You can only pick one. Oh, no, it, it's fam. It's, all right, the, so the, the, the upside is just... I think if you are looking for safety, maybe Kane edges him out because of fam's injury history, but it's not like Kane doesn't have the same injury history. I'd say so. Springer, then, if you're going for, for safety. Uh, 
that, is it, that, but I mean, that, Springer's had his own injuries, and he, his, yeah, he has no upside. But that's why – well, I wouldn't say no upside, but that's why I gave him the Adam Jones-Hunter-Pence tag, and I didn't – I don't say that, like, derisively. Those were really great players. They were accumulators. World he's champion still, players. He's still clocking 140 games each of the last two years, so there's a little injury, but nothing too crazy there for Springer. But I agree. Fam's the guy. I, I honestly, like, I'm not just saying it because we picked him and, and we took the heat – of all the picks that J- Jason and I made, I was surprised that that one actually drew some fire. I really didn't see that as being a a pick worthy of any real derision. I mean, you can say you prefer somebody else, but it was getting actual heat. Like, what the hell did they take fam for? I'm like, what are we looking at here? What, why wouldn't we take fam? The dude Amazing can be 25, skills. 25. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I was surprised by that. I actually messaged Colette the other day and told him that I'm going to enter one of his leagues just so I can snipe fam from him because he's got him on <laughs> literally every team. Awesome. He's, he's getting him everywhere. So you have to join one just to make sure he doesn't get all the fam when fam goes 30-30 with a 290 average. Um, all right, Justin, with you first here. Is it worth betting on the come with David Dahl? Is, is this finally the season that we get full-on David Dahl? Did, he was one of the guys we took in the best ball league, right? Is that our only I think share? he's one of our, our uh, one, one share dynasty. And that yep. will be my only share. I don't think it's worth the ADP. He's okay. just going so high, and he's never been able to stay on the field. And I mean, does he really have that huge of an upside over guys going after him? I, I don't know that he does. Uh, and and we're ten minutes away from them re-signing Carlos Gonzalez for no fucking reason whatsoever because that's mm-hmm. the kind of crap that they love to do. They're gonna play free Mark Tapia. Reynolds in the outfield. Oh, free, thank you, free free Tapia. Tapia. Yes, oh. I, I agree with that. I am a Tapia. I'm a Tapia I, I, fan. I like Dahl, but people are betting on the come, and I, I don't want to. I don't want to pay for what the upside is. I want to. I want to. You know, pay for less and get more. That that's that's ideally what you want, uh, Vlad. Do you agree there, or is, is Dahl somebody that you would pay for based on the upside? I have a good feeling about David Dahl uh, this year. You know, hitting there's something just intrinsically valuable about where he's going to be hitting, like that lefty slotted right yep. between Arenado and Story. It's going to be you know a lot of RBI opportunities if he does stay healthy. I mean, I could definitely see a monster season. Um, you know, it, he's in that spot where to a lot of people, he feels like somewhat of a reach, you know, he can't hit lefties. I see a lot of the case against him. Uh, but you know, if, if he's fallen to the right spot, like I, I don't necessarily see, unless he has an amazing spring, like the helium completely blown up where he's going to be a top 40 guy. And that's good. Like top 40, I'm not even taking a chance, but where he's going now, like, you know, in the 60s, 70s, that's great. And, uh, you know, in tout wars right now, we're doing the draft and hold. It's a 15 teamer. Like I'm stacking Rockies right now. Um, you know, yep. obviously I, I don't have Arenado, but I've got Daniel Murphy, David Dahl, and then I took Hampson later. So there's nothing yes. wrong. You said you had the same plan, right? Just just load yeah. up on guys on good teams. Here's I'm, here's my pushback. Here's my pushback on that. Does he really have that much more upside than Eddie Rosario, Mitch Hanniger, yes. Yasiel Puig, Victor Robles? Uh, I don't think he the does. First, the first two for sure because they don't run. Yeah, I was going to say everyone David but maybe Dahl, Robles. David Dahl can I run mean, and. Robles goes the other way. He doesn't have as much pop, but he can run a, a boatload. Puig, you know, he. Uh, I'm actually going to even skip our Puig question because I, I remembered writing this up last night. I was like, yes, I know Vlad is already a Puigster because uh, I was going to ask if he's a believer in Cincy. But I know we all like Puig, so I'll, I'll give you that one. But as far as Rosario and Hanniger go, I do think Don- – but he has Coors, man. And, and it's not a crutch argument because it's real. It's not like it's fake that Coors boosts everything. So betting on it, I think, is the safe bet. So, yeah, I am going to take him over all those guys. Robles is one that's really, really over interesting Puig. to me. Um, that one, 
you, you're gonna you're gonna fit. I'm gonna cop out in fifty fifty. There's gonna be some drafts where I'm gonna take Puig, some drafts where I'm gonna take Dahl. Like we got our one share Dahl. I, I would I like might... to point out too that that Dahl has not stolen double digit bases in at any level since 2016. Okay, that's intriguing. I I I, I would have guessed otherwise. So I would have I would have been wrong on that as far like a bar bet of and, you know and how many times Rosario he... had six stolen bases on eight attempts in the first half before getting injured. So if if you're saying that the second half was uh, largely due to because of his injury, then you're talking about a guy who would have stolen double digit bases, and he had 19 home runs and a 311 average in the first half. Like I think you're I think Whoa. you're underselling Rosario. Here's the thing though uh, with Dahl. I mean, you know, 2018 he played 77 games, only had a few swipes. 2017 was pretty much done, right? So before that, when he was in the minors, he was still swiping like 20 plus bags. So for me, I don't know. There's just something like super valuable about a guy that could potentially hit cleanup all year or in Colorado. I don't know, Justin. I'm just just trying to sell you on him here. I, I, I think I, you should consider. I just I I would love him if he was 30 picks cheaper. Well, no but, shit. But, but I, I mean, <laughs> that that's the thing, though. People are betting on the come. That's why I phrased the question that way, because people are betting on, on what he can do. Puig is probably the one of the group that you mentioned where I'm more inclined to say, no, I, I want I want to get more Puig shares than Dahl. But the other ones, I, 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 I'm more likely to go ahead and take Dahl there, uh, despite the high price. Uh, let's move on, then. Let's go on to our next one here. Just a few left. We might go just a little bit over the time there, Vlad, but hopefully you can stick with us for these last three. I'll start with you on this one. Does the latest uh, Marcelo Zuna shoulder news worry you, Vlad? That yeah, he's not going to play the outfield and that they're going to kind of take it easy with him? Yeah, for sure. I think anything having to do with somebody that had, you know, off-season injury or worry or surgery or anything like that, like I, <clears throat> I kind of learned a, a long time ago to really – you know, it, at the very least, push these guys down. You know, like it, it, even if I'm hearing good Gregory Polanco news, I'm still yes. not sold. I, so I, I just, it's so hard for me because I love Gregory. Yeah. I wrote wrote it up recently that I'm trying to avoid this great news and not get hung up on it because we had the I'm same back in. We no, we had the same thing with Conforto last year, and yes, he beat the per, the the timetable, but he was garbage for April, so he might as well have not beaten it. He would have been just as it, it would the have same. been better for your team. Yeah, had he it would not have been the same. To just <laughs> skip it and not get one homer and six ribbies and play terribly for a month. I would have, I, you know, if I had Conforto, I would have had better replacement value. So I, I agree with Vlad on this one. As much as I do like Ozuna, and I think he's going to be good. I got to move him down a little bit. And if he lasts, if he's still available, say as outfielder thirty. I'll take it, but he's still in the in the top twenty five of outfielders, which is what we're covering here today. And I don't think I can do that right now. I, I'm mo- I'm moving down a little bit. I was going to say anything where I see a guy having wrist, uh, shoulder, hand oblique issues, I just yes. really don't want a part of. I, I feel you on that. And, you know, years ago, Justin, uh, Jason really got me sold on pushing timetables. You take a timetable. Mm-hmm. First off, you take the far end for sure. And that's what you that's that's what you use as your starting point and usually add a couple weeks on to that. So, you know, this isn't for Ozuna specifically. We're talking a little general on injury stuff, but for Ozuna specifically, I'm not freaked out by this because I kind of figured he would be eased into things. I don't think this is like. New news that, oh, we didn't know that he would have to be more of a DH to start in spring training and all that. But it's something worth monitoring. And I did bump him down just a couple spots to tamp down my own excitement because I was treating him as 100% good to go. 
which was my own fault there on Ozuna. So I did bump him down a little bit. He's the 22nd outfielder off the board. Like I said, for me, I want him more at the end of the 20s or even in in the early 30s of outfielders, which would put him after pick 100. And that's just not where he's going right now. Um, all right, moving on to the next one here. I have a little bit of a little bit of a quiz for you guys. What? Well, I'll start with Justin here, and you guys can both guess. What was Malik Smith's OBP from July on, Justin? So for the last three months of the season. Uh, three forty-seven. Vlad. Um, gonna say three ninety-five. Justin Stupid need a new co-host. Vlad, welcome to the show. You're the new co-host. <laughs> you were closest without going over. It was 402. Jesus. It was absolutely monstrous. And with that, he was tied or he was second place. He was actually third because two guys were tied to two teammates, Mondesi and Merrifield. They had the most stolen bases at 29, but he had the second highest total, Malik Smith did with 25 in that in that same time period there. He went 326, 402, 464 with 25 stolen bases in 30 attempts. What I love is this OBP, this ability to take a walk, some, something that, you know, a lot of these rabbits don't have. That's what I liked about VR. Remember when we, I mean, we've talked about it ad nauseum with regards to Mondesi. The reason I bet on VR that second year was because he knew how to take a walk. But this is something that Malik Smith has always had, uh, you know, for whatever, even though he doesn't have pop, it's usually the power guys that struggle to do it because pitchers just challenge them. They're like, well, I'm not afraid of you. But he's had this OBP capability forever where he's at, eight to nine percent walk rate which is really good for a rabbit you mix in some good batting average and uh batting average on balls and play to keep the average up too and all of a sudden he's like a 340 350 projection for his obp so vlad i'll ask you where where are you taking malik smith like what do you expect out of him stolen base wise can he match his 40 can he exceed on it there's a million questions there but just what are your general thoughts on malik smith understanding that he's an actual obp guy so about three weeks ago, uh, I just put it out there on Twitter. I mean, most stuff I, you know, all the good stuff I'm going to keep behind the paywall for the most part, but uh, uh, I like to put some stuff out there once in a while. My prediction was that Malik Smith was going to lead the major leagues in stolen bases. Um, I'm now a little, you know, obviously this he's got this elbow issue going on. Well, something, um, well, something, yeah. Yeah, so may or may not be ready for uh, for that series in Japan. We'll see. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I Right now, he's going right around pick 100. Uh, there was, you know, in this TGFBI league that I'm in with Justin, uh, I was ready to snag him, and he went a couple picks before me yeah, because, I yeah, I, I just kind of figure he's going to he's going to drop a little bit um, on this news. And, you know, obviously, it, it's maybe a little bit better for him as a rabbit that this affects his elbow as opposed to, you know, an ankle or, you know, or, or hamstring or something like that. But obviously, you know, I mean, he needs to be able to hit and to get on base. Um, and you want him to be healthy and playing the full game. So, you know, obviously, if I were them, I would probably sit him out for that series. I mean, this is a new addition to your team. You want to make sure he's ready and healthy to go for the big course of the season. So I hope he doesn't go to Japan. Yeah. So uh, Malik Smith just sitting out. And honestly, we'd also like it because it would depress the draft value because people would freak out over it if he I, didn't I go. I can't believe he's only 25. It feels like he's, he's just been here forever. You know why? Because he got traded, traded like forty-two so times, <laughs> and so his name has been in the in the community for quite a while. Plus, he's one of those super young prospect types. He was nineteen, yeah. uh, and so he's been he was he a prospect with the Padres. Yeah, so I mean, there's a little bit of the prospect fatigue there for Malik Smith, but he put up forty stolen bases. I wasn't so in on him until I started to do my off-season research, and last month was when I really started to say, you know what? 
I, I, I'm not, I've made it clear on this show millions of times. I'm not usually someone who buys the rabbits, but it's usually because I don't trust them to get on base. Mm-hmm. And he still Smith, walks, yeah. He's, he's the opposite of that. And so he is a, a rabbit that I would trust. So I'm pretty interested in him. And uh, I'll, I'll monitor the elbow thing. I think that's a good point, Vlad, to just be mindful of it. You know, he's not a huge power guy, but you don't want anybody that – you don't want his hitting impeded in any way, and it would be favorable if he didn't go to Japan, get that extra time off, and then be ready for the full season once they come back. All right, guys, closing it out, I'll start with you, Vlad, another trio to pick a favorite from. Eddie Rosario, Mitch Hanniger, Nicholas Castellanos, who's your fave? My favorite of the three is somebody that I wasn't as big on a couple of months ago, and uh, Justin, you and I are on the same page on this one, or so I assume. I love Eddie Rosario, man. Um I just love this lineup. I love what the Twins have done there. I think they're going to be a monster offense, and Eddie's going to be a big part of that. He had some injury issues last year, so I like him very, very much. My issue with Castellanos, honestly, is just the team that he's on. You know, no, you know, <laughs> that was coming. Uh, yeah, that's really it with him. And then Hanniger is, I mean, last year I was overloaded with him, you know, in the 18th round, 22nd round in some drafts, like fantastic value. What a payoff. Uh, just, a, yeah. just a very good hitter, nice and solid. Um, but obviously, you know, without Nelson Cruz, I think maybe things change a little bit there for him, but he's just one of those guys that, you know, Kyle Seager was for many years where uh, he's going to give you steady production across the board can even help you in average with something that Kyle Seager didn't do. And he's just a nice, solid, unsexy pick that'll produce. Yeah, I, I paired those three together on purpose, not just because their ADPs were close, but because they they deliver something very similar. That's probably why their ADPs have have kind of uh, coalesced together in the eighty six, or excuse me, in the ninety to ninety eight range. They're real tight band for those three guys. Um, Rosario, somebody I remember seeing at the Arizona Fall League, and you know, I I try not to fall into, into the fallacy of appealing to authority too often where you just say prospect guy said this so it's the 100 the bible and don't trust anything that that i see but i did let that happen a little bit when i saw him because this is not revisionist to try to be like oh i called this one or anything but i thought i was watching a pretty damn good player in the afl and then we get into all the seminars and everything and i'm talking with everyone and no one has a good word to say about him Everyone was thinking that Eddie Rosario sucked, and I'm like, what did I just watch? Like, and I'm always a little bit uh, skeptical of myself when it comes to hitting because I don't feel, you know, I I don't can't judge hitting mechanics at all uh, and stuff like that. So I I was, I was timid, and I, I didn't really want to stand up and say. I thought we saw a damn fine player, and it's a couple games anyway. So again, I'm not uh, trying to say I knew it based on nine plate appearances that I saw. But I thought Eddie Rosario was a quality player. He's been nothing but good as a major leaguer when you add it all up. OBP's been a little bit of a struggle his first two seasons. That's what kept him below 100 as far as WRC+. plus. But he's gotten that back on track because the uh, the batting average is so good. And the walk rate's actually doubled. But it's doubled the 5-6% because that's where he used to be. Uh, it was that bad. But I think he's just a quality player. I, I like him as well. It's a hard pick there. <sighs> Castellanos, you know, you talked about the thing with Hoskins and defense being a problem. Literally the worst outfielder in baseball. And you wonder if that's going to creep in on on Castellanos' ability to continue to hit if he continues to be that terrible in the outfield. I'm a little torn on this one. I probably do lean Rosario, but Rosario and Castellanos are definitely the two that I'm taking more. For whatever reason, I just don't super love Hanniger. I don't hate him, but I don't take him very often. Justin, go ahead. Gush over Rosario. Finish this up here. Yeah, I'll just repeat the first half numbers. 19 home runs, 6 stolen bases, 311, uh, 353, 537 uh, before getting injured. 537. Yeah. Jesus. I just he, 
the late great uh, Lore Michaels predicted this breakout last year, and he he saw it for the first half, and he just wasn't the same player in the, in the second. I should have talked to Lar. I yeah. bet he was on board at AFL. Mm-hmm. I, I I hadn't gotten to Lar to I, ask him what he you, thought. You know, you know what probably scared people off because didn't he, I believe he got suspended for PDs in the minor leagues. I'm sure that's he what did. scared people off. Well, and you know what it really was was the, the the plate patience, which we haven't really seen much of, and and that was a big concern. But I just thought it was a, a pure hitter. You know, it was just somebody that was was hitting, and every time he came up, he had a good at bat, even if it was a lineup. I mean, he hit 330 at that AFL. Like he went off, um, but. You know, I just thought we were seeing quality at bat. He's just a hitter, man. And no, he doesn't walk. Sub 20% strikeout rates each of the last two seasons. Yeah. Like, if you're going to have that kind of contact rate and that kind of bat to ball skill, you don't need to walk. Like, walks are great. I love them. And they're a great base for somebody that uh, might have contact struggles to get on base more regularly. But it doesn't mean that you can't be a good player even with a trash walk rate. And so uh, there's just a little love there for Eddie Rosario. And all three of them are, are good. They, they they do belong together because they are so uh, compact in terms of what they deliver there. The other two have a little bit more speed than, uh, than Castellanos for sure, though. Hanniger and Rosario can actually get a little steals. But uh, Castellanos is also slow. That's part of why he's such a dreadful outfielder. But that's the top 25 in the outfield. Justin and I will have a nine-hour podcast covering the rest of outfielders. Uh, Vlad, again, where can people find you over at Fantasy Guru? Give us an idea what what you got going on over there, and uh, where can they find you on Twitter? Yeah, so on on Twitter, I am at Rotogut, R-O-T-O-G-U-T. And and, uh, this season, um, all my season-long content will be over there on fantasyguru.com slash MLB. And uh, right now I'm working on a series uh, from the gut, which is uh, an article I'm writing weekly. And uh, during the course of the season, going to have a lot more content and a weekly uh, free agent bidding article that you saw last year. So, um, but as always, guys, always a pleasure to, to be with you. And, and thank you so, so much for having me. Love having you on. Thank you so much. We'll try to run, run back up with you in the, uh, in the middle of the season as well. Have a good one, man. Thank you.